Hey dude, Faxers, I wanna tell you about something cool before we get into the podcast today. Brand new merch is out there. If you get on all of our social media sites, you'll see the Linktree link. Go and check out our new merch store with cool Dude Facts shirts. Big shout out to Rocket Shirts for getting that new merch store set up and going. And hey, if you wanna get your own shirts made, for Dude Facts listeners, they are waiving all fees for you guys. No art fee, no setup fees, no screen fees, no kidding. So head on over to their website, www.rocketshirts.net, and get a quote today and tell them that we sent you. All right, now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Dude Facts Podcast. Four guys united by their love for coffee and corny jokes come together to talk about Christian culture and the ups and downs of ministry. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of joe, and enjoy. The podcast starts now. Affirmative. Affirmative. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Facts podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my good friends, Jeff, Ryan, and Grant. And uh, this is episode yeah. seven um, in Scripture Severin. Severin. <laughs> seven is the number <laughs> for perfection. So we thought this would be a great time to talk about biblical masculinity. <laughs> And you I messed did. up I saying did. seven. So, there we so go. It's already not perfect. So. <laughs> it's always a, an adventure. Um, yeah, we are glad that you're here. Uh, we're excited to, to be with you. It is our uh, biblical masculinity topic discussion um, podcast. And so Jeff is all manned up with his, um, what is what is that? His mullet. Thank you. Mullet? Just, just <laughs> my flowing my locks. I what that was called. They look good. It's my Billy Ray look. Oh, yeah. Need some white high-top sneakers. Are you wearing long socks? And some acid-wash jeans. Oh, yeah. Skin-tight acid-wash jeans. That's right. Start singing uh, Achy Breaky Heart and Old Town Road. Oh, wait. (laughs) So how's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Good. Good. Good, now that we have power. How long were you without power? Um, We were only about 18 hours, Ryan. I think you were out for Uh, quite a while. It was like a day and a half. I think it went went out at noon on Friday, came back at like 8.30, 9 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, that was fun. You got the lights off right now? All the joys of Clarksville, Josh. Wait, I'm sorry. Ryan, you're... I said, oh, all, I said the all the joys of Clarksville. Of Clarksville. Yeah, so we um, were coming, yeah, back. coming back. We were in Clarksville um, the weekend before we're recording this, and it's our first Sunday at the church. And the night before, we were going to stay at a friend's house, um, but a big storm came through, knocked trees down all through Clarksville, a lot of power out. And our friend wasn't at their house. They had just given us a, the code to open up their garage, and then we were going to go in and stay in their house that night. Um, so we get there. Uh, around 7 or 7.30, and their electricity's out. So the code to open the garage wouldn't work. 
so we could not get into their home. And um, we later heard that there were about 100,000 houses in Clarksville without power. I didn't know there were 100,000 houses there. Um, So uh, we started looking around at hotels, and it took us like 13 or 14 (laughs) uh, phone calls to different hotels before we found one that actually had vacancy. And we got the last room at the most ghetto-tastic hotel in Clarksville. Because it's a 931, um, baby. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we pulled in, and it was an exterior, one of those hotels where you have the exterior entrance into the room, and there was just a haze of weed, smoke, and fog in the air. Um, so it was oh, awesome. Yeah. It was just what we were looking for. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> we're we're second guessing this whole situation. <laughs> Somebody left a turd on the bathroom floor. <laughs> they did. Hopefully that wasn't the case. It wasn't there when we checked yeah. in though. <laughs> <laughs> but it was when we checked Uh-oh. out. Well, I want to apologize to everyone watching this. I have something in my right eye, so I'm very winky today. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You're winky. <laughs> Your winky and pinky. Ooh, Man, so are you wearing you. a Wrangler shirt because it's our masculinity-centered podcast? It was. It's kind of a throwback because I wore this in a, a picture. I think it was in your office, Josh. I think Jeff took it in your office, and I was wearing this like 2010 <laughs> or 11. Man, that was a long I don't time know. <laughs> yeah. I also really the... wanted to say. Go ahead. What? So you live in the Pacific Northwest, but you look more like you live in Wyoming right now. That's sure true. <laughs> also, just really wanted to say Wrangler. I hardly know her. Ah, <laughs> uh, Grant. So what, what we're talking about manhood today. When I was in seventh grade, no lie, um, I had to take home economics, most manly class that you can take when you're a middle school boy. And uh, we had to knit our own pillows and they gave us material to be able to use to knit pillows. And I dug through this whole like box full of stuff and it was all like really girly and old lady patterns, but they had one manly pattern and I kid you not, it said Wrangler on it and it had horses. And so I knitted it. And for the longest time on my bed as a teenager, I had a little Wrangler pillow. Yeah. And that's the only reason why. (laughs) So people would be like, you like Wrangler? No, it was just the manliest thing I could find. Do you still have that pillow? Or so I thought. Okay. I, I'm not sure what happened to it. Probably lost it with my man card. <laughs> Wranglers, are a, Wranglers are a fun conundrum because when I was in high school, it was right about the time that like skinny jeans became like really in fashion for guys. But before it was skinny jeans, it was just wearing women's jeans uh, because they didn't make jeans that skinny for guys. Um, my older brother took part in that. Um, it was always fun. But, uh, Did you wear your mom's jeans? No. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's jeans were probably more manly than <laughs> girls' jeans. <laughs> um, but no, at Wrangler, it's always funny because like, I remember in high school, like the guys that were super like, you know, country or the jocks, you know, whatever would make fun of like the skater and alternative guys that wore skinny jeans. But then I would be like, I remember growing up and like country guys would be wearing Wranglers that were tighter than any of the skinny jeans I see people wearing. So 
So I always say, oh, yeah. find it funny when people talk about how, you know, Wranglers are so manly. And I'm like, well, that, you know, tight jeans are unmanly than Wranglers. You know, they, they're right up there with the girl jeans and skinny jeans. Or pink Wranglers. <laughs> or pink Wranglers. <laughs> I don't know if this is manly or not. <laughs> it's, it's almost manly. Almost. <laughs> it doesn't get much like manlier it. than leaning up against the jukebox in a Texas Applebee's with a set of Wranglers <laughs> sticking oh, yeah. tight rear out so the ladies can admire. That's <laughs> playing Eiffel 65. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best song to play when you're... Too bad we don't have Wranglers. that. We could have it up. These are the things we need to talk about before the podcast. <sighs> <laughs> Then we'd rob our five know, listeners. I actually haven't checked our uh, the raw jargon, our, our listening numbers recently. Maybe before the next podcast, we can do that. Because I got a feeling this one is going to go viral. Hey, because mm. oh, go ahead. <laughs> answer me this though. I have these really big hands, and this is an advertised coffee cup. Is it manly to do this? Well, look how look how tiny that looks. Is it manly to do this? Is it manly to do this? <laughs> Just completely ignore the handle. <laughs> it's like so pointless. Like us, <laughs> I have really big hands, people. Okay. So, what about both there. hands? That's mainly. <laughs> That's it, right there, Grant. It's like you're drinking a cup of cocoa when you're eight years old. <laughs> uh, so to to she jump she. us into the topic, which we'll dive into a little deeper, we just kind of wanted to get everybody's brains moving that direction um, before we get to some of our. Uh, other content. Uh, Jeff had a, uh, a very interesting, um, thought-provoking question for us. Yeah, so this is a question on manhood that's plagued me for some time, and I think it probably has plagued you guys as well, but does it make you manlier to back into a parking space? Because people here in the South, at least, Especially if you drive a truck. I mean, it's like expected. But does it really make you manlier? So my response to this, when we discussed it earlier, I'm going to hype it up for this one. Here's the thing. I live in a house. Please blow bubbles out of that. (laughs) I live in a house with, and I I told the guys this when we were talking about this question ourselves. I live in a house with, three women um, that all have their own vehicles, driver's license, uh, independent, hard work, hardworking ladies. Um, the thing is, uh, none of them can parallel park. I would bet there's no backing in anywhere. And um, they've all had fender benders recently. So I think in order to do things like that, not only does it make you more masculine, but you have to be a man in order to, to parallel and back in park. Ooh, you're throwing down the gauntlet. Mm. <laughs> My wife's not here, you know, by the I, way. So supposedly, there, <laughs> there are people who argue that it's actually safer to do that. Like statistics show, and I, I haven't seen any of these studies, but to me, that seems to be one of the most ridiculous arguments. Because either way, if you're in a parking lot, you're backing into, or you're 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 driving backwards in a parking lot whether you're doing mm. it on the way out or on the way in. So mm. I, 
I'm determined that it's more, and we were talking about this earlier, Grant, um, that it's more of a status mm-hmm. thing. That people do it, one, to just be seen and because it's sort of expected, especially if you're driving a big, huge truck. And I drive a big, huge truck. Come but um, I'm just going to do what's easy. I'm 40. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm telling you, I like backing into a parking spot because I like having the harder thing to do on the front side of me wherever I'm going. As opposed to when I'm leaving, because like when I'm leaving, I like to be able to just zip out of there. Bruh. <laughs> See, at least that's Bruh. rational. I mean, I mean, I can get, I, I can get behind that. <laughs> Grant, I'm so but, proud of you. <laughs> Grant's just holding it in right now. <laughs> Self control is a yeah, part of the spirit, and I think that's exactly a, uh, that's right. He's being yeah, manly by showing his manhood is self control. <laughs> I do find it funny, however, that Jeff, that you bring up people in big trucks because having grown up in Texas and now living in Tennessee for the past decade, um, there are plenty of people who drive big trucks who cannot park them, whether that's pulling in forwards, backwards, sideways, whatever. So (laughs) if that's a measure of manliness, there's plenty of non-manly guys driving trucks. (laughs) So I shared this earlier. I was in a parking lot one time, completely empty. And I watched a guy who decided to back into a parking space that he could have just easily just pulled right through and parked the way he wanted to park without having to do all the work of backing in. But he backed into a parking space, completely empty parking lot. And uh, I just couldn't help but think either that's a habit or... It's just a status thing. He wanted to be seen doing what I'm he was doing. I'm going with a ladder. I don't know. On that one. I mean, <laughs> I, why else would you do it? Why else would you? I don't know. But I think um, I think you're right, Ryan. There's a lot of people out there driving big trucks that don't need to be. Um, and I do think I do think it's one of those oh, things. Oh, yeah. Like, well, this makes me look more manly if I'm in this. But, you know, unless unless you've worked on a farm – or you're in the military, you know, or you're from Texas. That way you fit, Ryan. <laughs> That's all. I, I can I can back up anything. I can back up a truck, car, truck with a trailer on it, whatever golf you cart. want. Golf cart, yeah. Four wheeler. Yeah. I oh, could back up go. into just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's so. I drive. I live in the Northwest, and I drive. A convertible Mustang. Boy, are, I want are to be you practical. a man? Now, I... <laughs> and typically, my MO is I'll commute on bicycle. I love cycle commuting. And I love getting, uh, what do they call it? Rolled coal on by all those mm. diesel drivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, ride it, Lance. <laughs> Dust me with all their diesel. Which is hilarious when I catch them at the next red light. I'm like, hi. <laughs> but... Typically, I'm in the blocked out Mustang, the top down, blasting some Dr. Dre at like dangerous levels for my my hearing, and I do back in. <laughs> Going, I'm six foot two twenty five, a white chocolate. <laughs> so why do you back in? That's the question. Because you have to. Okay, so so one of two reasons. Uh, one, you're gonna have to back out. So either way, you have to back out mm-hmm. once, right? 
yeah. if you're pulling it, like if it's if it's not lanes um, or if, if there's like, you know, speed bumps or whatever stopping you. But I'll often just pull through a parking spot. So it looks like I backed in so that way I can just drive out. So I never put it in reverse a single time. I just leave it and drive, put it in park, put it in drive, get out of there. But here, I don't think there's a stigma. I don't think people care here. I think I think this is some video over there. Maybe I I will definitely pull through and park. Oh yeah, with the front of it's my available. vehicle. I love pulling yeah. through. Facing out. I mean, I always do that. But to me, it, it's more about um, being aware of others around you. And so mm. it drives me nuts when I'm in a very crowded parking lot, especially like Walmart, and somebody's trying to back into a space, and I'm having to wait like 15 minutes because yeah. they're inching their vehicle back and forth like Austin Powers stuck in a <laughs> tight hallway. I mean, come on, man. If somebody like, yeah, I think, I think, uh, awareness is key there. Like if somebody's waiting behind you, d- definitely don't back it in. It's not, not the time for it. So I do yeah. think, but also the talk about masculinity, like they're like big lifted American trucks are like status symbols, right? Sure. Especially diesel here. The truck of the Northwest is the Tacoma. <laughs> Like, it's almost viewed as cooler. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a video of a dude. He's like, look, I'm driving a Tacoma, following a Tacoma, towing a Tacoma. And he panned up. He was in Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. In Tacoma! <laughs> <laughs> I think this is probably some of the most titillating podcast conversation that's ever occurred. <laughs> what a lady, Josh? very enthralled. <laughs> what did you call it? <laughs> I want to look for nipples on nuts, <laughs> but you know, it does well, lead to, <laughs> it does lead to more serious yes. conversation, which we're going to get to on yeah. biblical masculinity. But you know, there's sort of these defined uh, cultural parameters as to what constitutes manhood. And uh, it's funny how sometimes even unconsciously we're sort of bound to those, uh, you know, without sitting back and being like, why am I doing this? What, why am I into sports? Why do I like guns? Why do I eat steak and potatoes? I mean, why do we do all these things? Um, <clears throat> why, why do we back into parking spaces? So I look like I'm more of a man. I don't know. It's funny. I think it is some... I guess I back into every chair I sit in. That's true. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I always go frontwards. <laughs> Just dive head first. <laughs> there you go. Just... <laughs> that looks very comfortable. Just do the podcast like that. Yeah. <laughs> Put your best side forward. <laughs> All right. So we are looking forward to accidentally reclining. We are looking forward to, to diving a little deeper into that a little later on in the podcast. So uh, let's uh, jump on into some comments. Yeah, comments. Um, <laughs> I, I speaking of comments, coming. we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear. Uh, our faithful listeners comments on uh, what they think uh, manhood is when uh, biblical manhood. Um, and also if you think that pulled backing into a parking spot makes you more manly. Um, Wrong. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, so for last week, um, I had a couple good comments on our YouTube. Um, so Ethan uh, commented, uh, if I ever get in a car crash, I hope this podcast is playing so I can laugh my pain away. I'm glad that at least one person finds this funny. Well done, Ethan. Thank you. So, um, 
<laughs> Gosh, come on, people. <laughs> Standing ovation, man. That's a 36 second long clip, just so you know. <laughs> um, so, all I got to say to Ethan is prove it, man. Ooh. Prove it. Challenge has been thrown out. Ooh. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get in a car crash. We we really don't would like so you not, not to get in a car crash. <laughs> back into a parking spot, hit somebody else with our podcast play. <laughs> I dare you, Ethan. So uh, Ethan may not be completely um, genuine uh, in that, just because that's my oldest daughter's boyfriend. And um, yeah, I think he's just trying to you know piss up. I was he's supposed to be here at our house while uh, we're recording. If he does show up. Uh, maybe we'll get him on the podcast real quick and see if he was genuinely sincere or not. Well, of, can we grill him about his I intentions would with expect your daughter? That. Yeah. And um, Grant, you you actually have some firearms, right? right? I mean, you're packing heat over there today. Okay, I do. I I have some con- concealed weapons. That's right, these BB guns. <laughs> Actually, you should pull up your your copy of I Kiss Dating Goodbye and just have it sitting on the desk when it comes. <laughs> well, I will say that of all the languages I do not speak, one of them is irony. And uh, so I it took it be. as completely genuine. It might be. <laughs> that was a great transition, by the way. Um, uh, our other comment was from Amber, who decided to take a stab at uh, the Dude Facts <laughs> podcast name. Uh, Amber said, are you dude facts because, uh, you are some dudes trying to transmit a message to God. (laughs) (laughs) What, what comments did she get in reply to that? Or do you have those? Uh, let's see. (sighs) Oh man. Hold on. It was a screenshot, not a, not the actual video. So I'm going to throw in a plug while you're finding that. But my sister is Amber um, who wrote that and she is starting her own podcast. And uh, pretty soon I'm going to help her get that off the ground, um, especially the video portion of that. And uh, yeah, Um, when it does drop, I will uh, hopefully direct some of the dude facts listeners to check her out as well. Oh, yeah. And she'll crush us like <laughs> <Yes>. instantly. <laughs> Probably. So uh, in, in reply to Amber on YouTube, uh, Jeff replied, uh, we do want to transmit messages to God. This would uh, honestly be a, a much better reason for our name, um, but it's not the genesis of it. Uh, it's honestly an inside joke. Might be a little more difficult for you guys to guess. Uh, and then Josh, you said, uh, oh, you sweet, sweet, innocent soul. <laughs> Did I actually write transmit messages to God? Or does yeah, uh, transmit messages for God. Sorry. Okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> she also said Maybe for God. I think God. when I was reading her uh, comment, I said to God as well. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, yeah, keep uh, keep taking a stab at it. Uh, we we welcome any attempts. Uh, that, I think. What did we say last week? If uh, if you guess it right, you get a free right. Dude Facts T-shirt. So. Okay. Uh, it's uh it's up for grabs, so you know, feel free to drop us a comment. It doesn't have to be on YouTube, you can put it on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever. Um, you know, also while you're there, follow, like, subscribe, whatever's applicable to those different social media platforms. Um, we welcome it and uh and yeah, come by, say hi. 
leave us a review on uh, Facebook or Apple, Spotify, you know, all the, all the, and even places. if you're only listening, we appreciate listening all of it. to it to make fun of it. Like my daughter's friends do still rate it. We don't care. We just, we just want the numbers. We just want the numbers. Mm-hmm. That's right. See, when you get a certain age, you don't that's care right. if people make fun of you. In fact, you invite it because <laughs> that's, right. that's ratings. Make fun of exactly. us. You're listening. That's right. It's uh, just like I said to D. Piggy. Thank you for the engagement. <laughs> I miss Piggy. He never replied back. I was kind of sad. That's right. Left us on red. Well, we, left, we lost Grant. Grant just disappeared. <laughs> oh, man. There he is. <laughs> that's what he was doing. I was making a tissue dance. Put a little boogie in it. <clears throat> nice, nice. Well, from uh, from there, I think we wanted to. Uh, we have a new uh, segment. Transition to some some fun facts. We have a new segment. Who's excited? Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time for some facts with your favorite man oh, yeah. of facts. It's Factoid. Here, live in the studio, to give you all the down low. So, let's go. <laughs> That's a good end to that. Uh, so, um, so yeah, my fact, uh, my fact for today is a new story coming out of Idaho, so up in your neck of the woods, Grant, um, where just uh, yesterday, March 7th, uh, two men traded jerseys in under five seconds to beat the Guinness world record for the fastest time to swap sports jerseys. Powered by so, Riverside uh, FM. Riverside <laughs> promotes this. Segment. They, they sponsor that. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know um, what jerseys they were? Uh, let's see. And were they wearing them? Cause I feel like I could hand off a Jersey way faster than five seconds. Let's see what they got. What it's hard to tell from the picture. One looks like it might be like a Denver Broncos jersey. So we're talking. The other one is light blue with a. So not orange. baseball jersey where they're I'm having a sure. button, but it's up. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like either it, they're either hockey jerseys or football jerseys. I think they're hockey jerseys, though. So. Broncos are a football team. Yeah, well, I I I, I know that, <laughs> okay. but I, I said either or. So, um, sure. color wise, it's uh, Broncos. But looking at the other guy's jersey, who's the picture is a little little bit better, but I still can't tell what it is. Looks like it might be a hockey jersey. So, is, isn't Boise State the Broncos? <laughs> Boys, they are. Yeah, masculinity, <laughs> potatoes. It's not girlsy State. <laughs> Dude, I, I will say we, that the guy. Sorry, go ahead. We drove through Washington. We're on the west side of Washington. We drove through the entire state of Washington to Mon- uh, ultimately to Montana for a mission trip. And the entire time we drove through Idaho's that part, I'm not going to say it, self control. Uh, we listened to yep. Your Own Private Idaho by the B 52s oh, on repeat for like an hour. Gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it was the best. I'm not sure that's the word I would have used to. I would never want to go to Idaho again. <laughs> I don't know if the best and the B-52s right. have ever been used in the same sentence before. I love the B-52s. Did you s- Rock Lobster? Oh. Yes, Rock Lobster is great. Have you seen uh, 
Especially the sounds at the end. Have you uh, seen the, <laughs> yep. the little thing from Shaquille O'Neal when he said he can never like sign off a letter saying yeah. Love Shack because of the B-52s? Because of them. <laughs> Dude, one of my I favorite... I do that. Purposely. I think... Oh, Shaq. One of my favorite venues in Portland is the zoo. They have concerts at the zoo. And the B-52s played there like two summers ago. And from what I hear, it was like nothing but the druggiest hippies in the world hanging out with the animals listening to the B-52s. <laughs> it's pretty great. And then Rock Lobster, you didn't know if it was the animals making the noises or the B-52s. <laughs> well, I was going to use uh, Shaquille's dad joke to transition us to our sensual Ooh. dad joke of the week. Grant? Sha- Shaquille O'Neal had dad jokes? <laughs> Are, are you good, Grant? Is this something that you're ready, ready to do? Oh yeah. <laughs> A youth pastor was driving down the road in the middle of cornfields. He looked up and saw another youth pastor rowing a boat in the middle of one of the cornfields. The first youth pastor pulls his car to the side of the road, stands on the roof, and yells at the other youth pastor, saying, you're the type of youth pastor that gives us youth pastors a bad name. If I could swim, I'd go over there and slap you. (laughs) So... Way to throw youth pastors under the bus instead of blondes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's where so I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I, di- I didn't laugh at that because you sounded gurgly, and I couldn't oh, quite understand what you were saying at the end. No, probably. <laughs> Hopefully, in post, it, it sounds perfect, and then I'll give it an appropriate <laughs> laugh. Mm. But until then, I'm just going to do my my fake laugh. Just add in a, a laugh track over <laughs> at the end of it. It'll be good. No, here's where I'm so messed up. All the jokes that I heard. <laughs> it's another I heard all these jokes long. growing up. <laughs> in Hawaii, they make fun of Portuguese people, but they call them Poragi. So all these jokes I heard growing up as Poragi jokes. My dad retires. We moved to the mainland. I hear him again as blonde jokes. And then we moved up to Chicago and I hear him as Pollock jokes. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> my, my wife's Same family jokes. is from Chicago. Her, her mother makes reference to Pollocks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just want everybody to know that the Dude Facts podcast does not endorse Pollock jokes. So our poll listeners, no. we love you. Yeah, but not our youth pastors. Proud people, you guys. But blondes, we do. Endorse. (laughs) Let's see. Jeff, you're married to a blonde. I'm married to a blonde. Ryan, are you? Okay. No, definitely not blonde. Grant, your wife. I like blonde Oreos. Very dark brown hair. (laughs) Well, fifty percent of us. Yeah, my daughter's blonde. My wife is blonde. Got a blonde daughter. Well, I think I don't know. The color changes often. I'm not sure. Some of my facial hair comes in blonde. So. <laughs> One patch here and then a splotch over here. My- <laughs> Ryan actually has a full beard right now. You just can't see it because it's blonde. <laughs> it just blends in with my skin. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of things that are manly, 
like splotchy beards. Um, we did want <laughs> yeah. to uh, talk a little bit uh, on uh, this podcast about <laughs> biblical manhood, uh, biblical masculinity. It's something that uh, definitely gets talked about a lot in our culture. Um, maybe not biblical, but just masculinity in general, um, depending on, I don't know, kind of your, your upbringing, uh, your, your beliefs, um, spiritually or just culturally. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different views on one. What is, what is manhood? Is there such a thing as manhood and masculinity? Um, and, uh, is it toxic? What makes it toxic? We hear that a lot. Toxic masculinity. Um, the patriarchy is something that gets attacked, um, as well. And, uh, you know, so coming from a Christian perspective, um, you know, we believe that there is a right kind of manhood, a right kind of masculinity that, um, that we would call biblical, but just God honoring. And the Bible, we think, gives us some instructions on that. So um, we thought we'll take, uh, man, we've got 30 minutes. This might be the earliest we've ever gotten to our topic. Um, so we got to get 30 minutes here to just to, just to jump in uh, to this uh, a little bit. And I'm excited to talk about this. It's something that I know in my own life over the last few years, um, just um, because of some situations I've been in, uh, I mean, God's been teaching me a lot about what this looks like for me in my home, uh, with my wife and with my daughters. But maybe just to, to kind of jump us off uh, in this, uh, we've got a, maybe a few questions just to kind of uh, get us started. I'm trying to get back to those. We, we text each other a ton. Um, so there's a lot of scrolling just to get back to something from like like earlier this morning. <laughs> get through all the memes. Um, and then I just got out of it. But I think I think what it... We should text him right now so it goes all the way that. back. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we were talking about, golly. All right, I can't find it. Anyways, um, but the thought was, um, why do we need to talk about this? That was the first question. I remember that one. Um, why is this such an important topic? What do y'all think? I think it's something, as Christian men, we, we can't shy away from simply because there's been horrible examples, um, in, even in Christian circles. Um, and then we hear a lot in our culture about some of the toxic masculinity and, and things that men do that, uh, you know, are um, restricting the rights of, of women or, or others. And it's very clear in scripture that, that God has designed men specifically for a purpose and for a reason and has roles for them as outlined, not only in Genesis, but you read like Ephesians 5 when uh, Paul is talking about the role of a husband and role of a wife. There are specific roles that men are supposed to do. So, so I think it's important for us to talk about it because we need to know what our creator wants us to do as men, but we also got to get it right because it does get screwed up a lot. Um, not only in the world, but in Christian circles too. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, even if we were to trace back to the beginning of, of history, um, especially from the biblical belief of Adam and Eve, um, you know, when you look at his, his story, story, there you go. Point made. I think Not we're done. Story. Um, oh, man. <laughs> uh, but I mean, when you go all the way back to the beginning, uh, you see instruction, specific instruction given to the man to um, to pass on to the woman, and, and he really fails in his assignment. 
And what happens is, you know, sin enters the world, chaos enters back into the garden and they're kicked out. And God's plan of redemption um, uh, begins, which ended up in, in the sacrifice um, of his son, Jesus. So, you know, we even look at the, you know, kind of the beginning of all the tragedy that we deal with in our world. I mean, you can tie that realistically back into, you know, the, the sin of a guy that just kind of abdicated his role as a man. So it is, I mean, it's very important to, to get it right, like you said, Jeff. Speaking of abdicating your role, where's Ryan? He has left the podcast. <laughs> Maybe he's going to get oh, his lizard. that's right. <laughs> or his brother-in-law's lizard. <laughs> yeah, holding his brother-in-law's lizard is what I think he said. Yeah. <laughs> it's his mainly role right now. <laughs> You know, so, so this is interesting because I've been thinking about this for a long time too. Since I transitioned from youth ministry into chaplaincy, uh, my very first assignment was with an EOD unit in Texas. And EOD, that these are the guys who are crazy enough to go in and defuse bombs for a living. Um, so very cool guys to be around. But I was talking to a first sergeant. So he's a guy who's, you know, you think first sergeant in the army, very manly you know, just as far as stereotypes go, but he's very, very wise man. And uh, we were talking about responsibility. And I remember I had the impression or idea that, Hey, young men join the military so that they can become more responsible, or at least when they do join the military, it, you know, helps them with discipline and they end up becoming more responsible. And the first sergeant agreed somewhat, but he said, yeah, it's not only, um, important for that person to put themselves in a role in which they have to be responsible. He said, they've got to be willing to take on that responsibility and, uh, you know, apply that to anything, not just the military, but becoming a dad, like any man can go out and get a woman pregnant. Um, any man can, can go out and, and have sex. So if we equate hey, that to, to being a man, yeah, any man can do that. Um, you know, men can go out and, and pick a fight and be violent. Um, you know, so if, if we're saying those things are what make a man or what make a man responsible, well, my dog can do that. My dog can do the same thing. My dog can go have sex. My dog can be violent. Um, it's about taking on that responsibility and saying, you know what, like I accept this responsibility and I'm going to do with this responsibility what I'm designed to do. Unfortunately, if you're not a man of faith, that, that's pretty tough because you only have culture or your upbringing really to teach you how to do that. And sometimes that can be a big fail. Yeah. And speaking of culture, um, I mean, that's, that's really why this conversation is, is needed um, because the, if we are looking at culture and if we're only going to culture to kind of d- define this, we're going to get something, especially in today's society, that's way different, way different than what uh, scripture says. And, and so we do hear uh, from our culture a lot, from leading voices, um, celebrities, athletes, um, you know, whatever, that uh, we, have, we have what's a masculinity that's toxic. Um, so basically poisonous and, and is de- they, they would say is destroying um, our society. Um, and, and I'm not completely against the idea that there's some toxic masculinity out there, but defining what is it um, that is really toxic and separating that from, well, no, this is really just biblical. Um, 
you just don't like it because it challenges, you know, um, what the way that you want to live or think we should live. Um, so I thought it might be good to identify some of those things. Like, what is it that our culture says is, is toxic? And then maybe what, what are those things really are and, and which things are? Um, so I, I wrote down just a few things that, that I think really, really are um, toxic when it comes to masculinity. And one of the things that I think we're, we've maybe we were raised in is just uh, this idea of not showing emotion. Um, as a, as a man, like, you know, men don't cry. Um, and I think there is a, you know, something necessary in helping our boys toughen up. Um, but, you know, maybe suppressing some of that, um, and not really dealing then with like emotions appropriately. Um, I think that is something that that's toxic. Cause then what happens as, as a kid, if you're never taught to deal with your emotions, then as an adult man, when you have strength, you have ability um, that violence, I mean, that can come out in violent ways and you have all kinds of other issues. Um, so that, that's one that I, that I thought of. Ryan, it's good to have you back. You're did, muted. Did you get your lizard? There you go. Uh, yeah, sorry. I had to go see a man about a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about men crying. So, oh, okay. um, you know, my, um, my son, I love him. He is much more... <laughs> Um, in touch with your emotions, then <laughs> Grant, did you bring the dog whistle? <laughs> my, my son is much more in touch with his emotions than I am. Um, to be honest, I, I struggle with that, um, showing emotion. And, um, I think part of it's my personality. Um, and then my wife is like the extreme opposite. She, you can see all of her emotions on her face at all times. And, uh, so my son gets that a little bit. And I think sometimes he struggles with, you know, sh naturally showing that in front of me because I'm not one to just cry naturally. And I, and I try to let him know it's okay for you to cry, but it's interesting how that's, it's not even something I've taught him. You know, I've never told him it's not okay to cry. It's just something natural almost in us as men for us to think, you know, this is not okay. Um, I'm supposed to be tough and maybe that's us perverting the command by God ultimately to, to be the one who is responsible to take care, to take care of your family, to take care of, of those that, that you lead and, uh, to be a leader, you don't show that emotion or, or at least that that's kind of the thought that seems to be prominent sometimes when I think really the opposite, I think it's good for a leader, a dad whoever to, to show that emotion so that, you know, Hey, it, it really means something uh, to that man. I think the best man that has ever manned mm -hmm. is Jesus. And he showed the full spectrum of emotion. You know, we, with the church plant merging with an existing church about a year ago, we were wrestling with all these questions as we we're thinking through leadership and what that should look like. And our model has elders and deacons and that was one of the big questions is, uh, you know, should we have female elders or female deacons in our bylaws? Because, you know, when Paul would travel around and he, he reached Lydia, he's like, great, we're going to start a, a church in your house and you can meet when a man comes to your town. How cool, right? No, I mean, they just probably kept meeting and they read scripture and sang and praised the Lord and did everything that a church kind of did. Their deaconesses in scripture 
Um, but that, the sad thing is people have used that reasoning, uh, the showing of emotion, as one reason women shouldn't be in church leadership. It's like, well, Jesus cried when he lost a friend. And he was righteously angry that, I mean, we're going to talk about it this week, that people were set up in the court of the Gentiles, uh, ripping people off and worship to God. Uh, he, he showed the full spectrum of emotion. He was sassy. Jesus was super sassy. Like, a lot. Like, his mom, the first miracle in Cana. Like, woman, my time has not come. I told my mom that once. I thought she was going to kill me. I said, woman. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was game over that day. She let you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's funny that you, you, uh, you mentioned Christ. Um, <clears throat> because when we were talking about this, or doing this topic, I... You know, I got on the Google machine and started just typing in like manliest guy ever, um, you know, trying to see what was out there from sources as far as what our world deems as manly. And so I typed in who is the most manly man or who's the most manly men. And I was curious to see if Jesus would pop up and in any magazine article or anything. And, and sadly didn't. There's a lot of Clint Eastwood, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harrison Ford. Even saw a few Harry Styles, which um, we can get into that another time. But um, no Jesus at all. And no guy oh. on a buffalo, which I thought was a oh, highway man. robbery. Yeah, that's a shame. He definitely should be. It's just wrong. Heroes. But, but you know, it, it's interesting. Because of Jesus and who he was, he did show that emotion. And he preached and taught love, which is another thing that I think sometimes as men when we think about love, it's not something that we're supposed to show the same way that, that maybe a woman shows or maybe makes us less of a man. If we show too much emotion or too much of a, you know, loving uh, spirit and there are different ways to love. I mean, Jesus again, showed that he, he flipped tables over. Um, he showed the hard kind of love, but he also showed the compassion and mercy and grace. Um, and I think we need to do that as men too. He's our example. I phileo you, brothers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at Jesus, you know, we, we would definitely say that he's going to be that ultimate example, being 100% God and 100% man um, with, without sin in his actions, completely pure and righteous in all that he does. Um, we can pull definitely some of those, um, those concepts and say, okay, well, let's look at Jesus. Because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the the pale white, blue-eyed, you know, blonde-haired European type of Jesus that we generally think, you know, dark skin and probably very, very muscular. I mean, he was a carpenter, um, you know, spent a lot of time outside. And um, I mean, he's a tough guy. And But when you just look at outside of that, you just look at how he treats people, like you were saying, Jeff. But you go all the way through, I mean, he was humble. Um and he had humble leadership, and we can talk more about these in depth. But um, you know, we're told not to lord our authority over others, and who you know, Jesus is Lord, um, as we look at that. And he had all authority, but he washed his disciples' feet, um, and, uh, and his love was definitely sacrificial. You know, he gave of himself, and uh, probably one of the clearest um, commands in Scripture towards. What, how a man is supposed to, to, to treat his wife is Ephesians 5, when, when the man is called to, to love his wife as Christ loved the church uh, and laid down his life for her. Um, you know, that, 
that that Greek love is is that uh, agape. Um, you know, there's different ways to pronounce that, but that that idea is you know you're looking at um, what someone needs and you're giving of yourself to to meet what's best for them to meet their needs, and that's what Jesus did. And so he's saying, men, when you look at your wives, I mean, you're you're supposed to look at them with intentionality, studying them and thinking, what does she need? What's best for her? And then you go without, if you have to, you lay your life down, you sacrifice um, to meet to meet those needs. And that's what we see in Jesus. And so instead of like this, 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 this harsh domineering um, idea of, of a man in a home, you know, ruling with an iron fist, things are going to be my way or the highway, which a lot, which is, that's going to be toxic as well. You know, Jesus says, you, you lead um, with, with, with submission and with love and care, um, um, sa- sacrificially. Yeah, and I think that's where toxic masculinity enters the picture is when the opposite of that is done. So if you want to define what toxic masculinity is in our world, it's looking at Jesus's example which is sacrifice. You know, as it says in Ephesians 5, you know, essentially the man is sacrificing his needs in order to take care of, of his wife. So it's that sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed for us. Well, the opposite of that really is um, self-service or to bring it further, it'd just be flat out abuse. You know, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, but just abuse of power in general. It's abusing the relationship in order to gain things for self. And so that's where toxic masculinity has spread like wildfire to so many different places, including the church is we've taken bits and pieces from our culture and said, this is the way a man is supposed to act instead of going back to scripture and saying, no, it's, it's about sacrifice. This is not about me Mm -hmm. as a man. This is, you know, my, my role is to not make it about me. Um, it is about God. It is about the people that God has given me to take care of and taking care of their needs. I think one interesting nuance of the passage that Josh brought up, um, you know, my dad was a Marine, you know, Jeff, you're in the army. There's a lot of machismo in those cultures. Uh, We have a, a garage gym and there's three Welch shred shed rules. Okay. Rule number one is get huge. Rule number two is stay huge. And rule number three is, but no machismo. So that's written in our garage. So I just hate machismo. The whole thing about Jesus, like, right, we're to love them as Christ loved the church. And often we focus on that. Like, I would lay down my life for my wife. Right, but Jesus laid down every minute of every day for the church. Because if he didn't live sinlessly from the moment he was conceived until the moment that he died, he could not have been the propitiation for our sins. Mm-hmm. So it's not just choosing to love Erica, my wife, FYI, uh, if, you know, a car is coming our way and I shove her out or there's a shooter in a movie theater and I lay on her. Like there's so many examples of that. Uh, loving her the way that Christ loved the church is living every moment of every day for her benefit. And I fail at this all the time, but this is the goal, right? That's how Christ loved us. So it's not just living for her in my last moment. It's living for her in my every moment. That's the goal. And that's not machismo. No. I had a uh, got a friend that um, was an elder in a church where I was, and he was having um, some difficulty in his marriage and going to some counseling. And he shared with us 
uh, one thing he learned, it's always stuck with me. And because um, he he was talking about how he felt like he was giving and giving and giving um, and sacrificing over and over for his wife. And, and his his friend or his counselor said to him, hey, is there still blood in your veins? He's like, yeah. And he said, well, you haven't you haven't given to the point Jesus did. And just a challenge, like, you know, what what is that extent um, that a man um, is not just for the wife, but just for others um, that were to give and sacrifice uh, and love. And it's to, it's to the end of ourself. That's always stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as long as I, my, there's still blood in my veins, that's flowing. You know, I'm, I still have work to do in that area. Um, so I had, uh, if you guys are cool with this, um, I came across a really good article on, um, I forget what the website was, but uh, it had five basic biblical uh, principles. And I really liked them. Uh, I thought they were kind of succinct um, biblical principles for manhood, what a man is. And I thought maybe I could just share some of these briefly and uh, we can see kind of what we think. And the first uh, that was offered was uh, humility before his God. And the uh, the passage that they gave was Micah 6, 8, which very famous, you know, uh, uh, oh man, uh, what does God require of you except to um, love justice, something about kindness, and then, and then uh, practice humility. And uh, so you got those there. I can't remember it completely off the top of my head, but, you know, justice, uh, kindness, and, and but then humility there. Do, Do justice. justice. Thank you. Love mercy, love mercy or kindness. Mercy. Walk and in walk, humility. Thank you. Walk humbly. You have it on your wall right there yeah. that you're reading. <laughs> You're a good pastor. You got that memorized. I do. Um, so, uh, so I was thinking on that, just like what it takes to to be humble um, before God. And uh, I, and one thing that came to my mind was just this willingness to acknowledge that we're sinful, that we have shortcomings, and then to be okay with that. And I think a lot of men struggle with accepting the idea that maybe they have faults and failures and coming across as weak. Yeah, and it's interesting the even the concept of humility, we we get it so <clears throat> backwards, but you know, in Philippians 2 when Paul's talking about humility and then goes into describing Christ as the um, you know, perfect example of humility, he says, "Take on the mind of Christ." I think in some versions have the same attitude in you as Christ. Um, which is a lot different than even what we get taught in church because, you know, we all had the WWJD bracelets and t-shirts and, you know, I'm I'm not going to completely knock that, but it's like, if we're just going to go do what Jesus did, really, you know, that's just, you know, anybody can go out and, and do an impression or an imitation. I can go out and, you know, throw on a Wrangler shirt and put on a cowboy hat and boots and walk out of my truck and people might think, oh, he's a cowboy. I'm not at all. I mean, oh. anyone can do that. But, you know, Paul is <laughs> saying, my take, afternoon. take on the mind of Christ. <laughs> Paul says, take on the mind of Christ, which is a lot more than just simply trying to outwardly act the part. It is an inward change in us. And we have to be willing to say, you know what? The way that I am doing it, the way that I believe that I'm supposed to do it is not right because it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my world is is not of God. And so I need to look at Christ 
and work to take on his mind and his attitude and be who Christ is, not just do what he did. Yeah. And, go ahead. My running buddy and I got into a conversation about those bracelets. So why are we still asking, what would Jesus do? Can't we just do what he commanded us to do? <laughs> so he's like, I would make another bracelet. What did Jesus say to do? <laughs> right? So we came oh, up yeah. like, what if we got one? What would Jesus say to do? WWJSTD. No, not going to work. <laughs> I like the STD part. <laughs> you know what we need is a Jesus oh, juke yeah. uh, sound effect. So Jesus find juke. Any type of Jesus juke. I don't know if we have anything like that. I bet we could find some video that a YouTuber made it somewhere. <laughs> Jesus Juke. Or they say Jesus Juke. <laughs> Jesus Juke. <laughs> I hit that because it says price is wrong. And I. Sorry. <laughs> and I forgot it's not actually Adam Sandler saying price is wrong. Uh oh. Yeah. Price okay. is wrong, Bob. Yeah. So uh, the second thing they put down, so humility before God, and then the second was control of his appetites. And we're not just talking about your desire for pizza, mm. but your your appetites. Oh. Um, verse that they had that went along with that was Romans 6, 12. Uh, Do not let sin reign in your bodies. Um, huge issue. Huge issue for guys, I think, um, especially when it comes to like like a physical appetite. Um, you know, we... All, um, all mankind, male and female, we have a flesh that has certain fleshly desires, but, you know, guys are wired in a certain way that, um, those desires can, can really lead down to a a really dangerous dark path. Um, and so, uh, a biblical principle of manhood is to be in control of those things, which is a fruit of the spirit, right? Grant, we talked about that self-control. Self-control, yeah. It's a juicy one. <laughs> juicy fruit. Ju- juicy you. fruit, that is. Yeah. I got it's going to yeah. move you. So when it comes to that idea, I mean, is that something that you guys think about just maybe in your life? Like, okay, how do I, you know, because you know maybe you're given to certain things. How, how do I control this? I know this is my biggest struggle um, as a man is controlling so many things. My, my appetite for... Um, really anything and everything, um, even leading to things like anger, you know, the, the appetite to, to snap and to lose my patience, um, driving tested every single day, especially in Clarksville. But, um, that, you know, it's not an excuse. We talked about spiritual gifts last week and how you can't use the excuse. Well, you know, God gave me, um, you know, kindness, but he didn't give me patience or self-control. No, those are the fruit of the spirit. And uh, if we're walking in the spirit, those are going to be the fruit that we also begin to exhibit and work towards. It's not just that we can pick one that we're really good at, um, but the rest, we'll let somebody else mm-hmm. do that. Um, so we as men need to remember that, that, you know, this is going to be reflective of our lives if we're walking in Christ. And I feel something that goes, you know, kind of hand in hand with, with this is that not only do we need to be, have have self-control and be aware of you know our um leanings and things that we struggle with you know and those those you know many appetites that can lead us into sin but also when we do fall short because we will we need to own up to that and be honest and say you know make a conscious make a conscious change that you 
recognize that you messed up and that you're not perfect, but that you want to be better. I think that's an important thing in biblical manliness that a lot of people sometimes don't touch on. And, you know, it's important to have self-control, but when you, when you mess up and you don't have that, you know, when you exhibit something that is not manly, you know, you need to own up to that. And that's the first step in kind of correcting that in your life. You know, what's interesting, Ryan, is you saying that, um, you know, it sounds, I mean, obviously is, is a very Christian thing, biblical thing. Um, I think even our world recognizes that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was doing some, some research on this topic, I found a poll that GQ magazine had done and it was describing, or it was men basically saying what, uh, traits do they want their family and friends to, um, you know, say about them or, or say that they exhibit. And the two biggest ones were being respectful and being honest. Um, things like um, being macho or muscular were actually way down on the list. And so when we think sometimes as a man, we think of those things as being important, like the machismo as Grant's talking about. But really, it's, you know, at the end of the day, I think men want to be honest. Men want to own up. Um, men desire to be respectful. Um Unfortunately, we're sort of held back or hamstrung if we don't allow Christ to just work in our lives. Yeah, the passage I actually pulled up just thinking about this was 2 Corinthians 12. Paul's talking about his weakness, his thorn in the flesh, whatever it is. If it's the meme of being locked in jail with SpongeBob tied <laughs> next to him or whatever. But he said, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should be, it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the the power of Christ may rest upon me. So just the idea like I can conquer it myself and I can be this. No, just be honest. Mm -hmm. Christ's power shows up in your life when you admit that you're weak. Not, yeah, it's smashing time, boys. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I I suck. Get my needles out. I think that oftentimes that, you know, kind of macho-ness and machismo can be used as a crutch for people to cover insecurities about where they fail and where they're, you know, where they fall short instead of admitting, being honest, and then relying on God to make you, you know, better and overcome So the that. root of... And this is near and dear to the heart right now because, you know, I'm... Southern Baptist, um, endorsed by, by Nam as a missionary in the, um, uh, army as a chaplain. And I'm watching our convention right now really struggle with this issue. Um, you know, there, there's some people that I really looked up to such as Russell Moore, Beth Moore, um, who've, who've left the convention and not all of it deals strictly with toxic masculinity. There's a lot of other things in play, but that is a big part of it is we have gotten this wrong as, as, as men. And, uh, and I think a lot of it is to sort of cover up those insecurities that you're talking about, Ryan, um, to sort of protect and preserve self mm-hmm. rather than to live sacrificially, especially as shepherds in the church, um, you know, living sacrificially for your flock. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're running kind of close to the end. Um, let me go ahead and move on to the next one. I think we can do a whole episode probably on each of these. Um, number three, so uh, we had a humility before it's God, control of his appetites, and then uh, a basic biblical principle of manhood is protecting his family. Um, and I was actually talking about this in a men's group 
um, about a month ago here here at our church, and um, I used a kind of th- this idea, and I, I had been reading through Job, and there's a passage at the very beginning, um, in the very first few verses that I had never really caught before, and I want to read it. It's uh, Job one four and five. Um, just talking about Job's sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Whenever a round of banqueting was over, and here it is, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Um, And a commentary I was reading on that talked about how he was acting as a priest um, in his family. And because uh, when we think about when we think about protecting our family, a lot of times we're just thinking, you know, that physical protection. You know, I'm going to have you know a firearm in the house when I try to get in. I'm going to take care of that. Uh, I want, and then I want to make sure I'm protecting them financially. I'm working hard. I have money in the bank. There's security there. But I don't know if we often talk talk or think about protecting our family spiritually. And Job is um, a man who, just in case his sins. Uh, this, his children did something sinful uh, in their in their activity under that old old way of um, of spirit of, of uh, I'm sorry ritual cleansing that they were under. He would make sure that they had been purified. He didn't he didn't want them having any type of sin that hadn't been dealt with. And he didn't just do it from every now and then, but it was a uh, something he did constantly, often, um, to make sure that his children were protected spiritually. Um, and that I think might be something we're missing. Man, it would have been a lot cheaper just to yeah, train the children. <laughs> it would have saved a lot of money on goats and yeah, stuff. You just like, guys, That's don't right. be idiots. What do you think Jesus might do in the future? <laughs> I have a bracelet for you. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I just love that thought of um, you know the 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 you know this may just be for guys with that are married and and or with kids, but. I mean, we're more than just a dad. I mean, we are a a spiritual leader, and um, we should reflect Jesus in the home, in the way we act and, and think and speak, and then and then train them up. Any any thoughts on that? Word. I think as long as it doesn't lead to, I don't know, the isolated bubble mm-hmm. life. Because often people withdraw from the world for the sake of keeping their kids pure, and then their kids get out into the world in college and become the most worldly people you've ever met in your entire life. But I think it's reminding ourselves of the gospel daily. If I preach the gospel to myself every day, I can more easily extend the gospel to my kids every day, and then keep them focused on, like, hey, let's pray for your friends in school, and let's pray for your teacher, and let's pray for these people, and engage in them. So it's like it's protecting them to an extent but protecting them from like apathy as well and protecting them from not like living out our faith together. No, I'm glad you said that. And here the Northwest is Uh, because it's so much more. Yeah. And I think that idea of protecting is not protecting them from the world. Um, but, but providing an environment in which they are able to grow spiritually and flourish so that they are strengthened for the world. Right. Affirmative. All right. Yeah, because part of protecting is teaching them how That's to right. deal with things because you're not always going right. to be there. Yeah. 
What? <laughs> I don't know. I've got one about to turn. Shoot. I've got, turn... got one about to turn 20, and she's here. So, Oh, and Ethan walked in. Just so you know. <laughs> if we need to get him in at the end. Oh. All right. Um, oh, yeah. Someone's kissing me. So this ties in. We don't have to spend a lot of time here, but um, uh, scripturally, the idea of providing then, that, that the man should provide for his family. Um, I, I do think that there's something for men called to work hard as they can, um, if they're able to, and make sure that um, they're doing what they can to, to bring that provision into the home. Not every guy can do it. You know, there's different reasons. I was out of work for a year and a half because of an illness, and that, that was hard on me, um, just to know that my wife was the only one that was bringing money into the home. And one, I think that's, that is something that's in us naturally as men, but there's also, you know, biblical command to, to provide. Dude, I thought you were ill in like the '80s rapper sense. Mm. Like that guy's ill. Oh, shizzle. <laughs> you have a license to ill. Push us on. A beastie license to ill. Uh, and then Bruh. the last one here is uh, just uh, is is just to lead his family, um, and that goes back kind of that mm. Ephesians passage we talked about earlier. So it's tough, man. When you go through Scripture and you try to figure out what is it that men are supposed to do. Um, there's, there's a lot of burden there on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think leadership is the one that really gets uh, um, skewed a lot in our culture, too. Because, you know, you, you look at politicians or you look at, um, you know, people in positions of power, um, you know, even in the business sense or sports sense or media or whatever, and uh, oftentimes that leadership or good leadership is often seen as like domineering as, um, you know, being someone who's very assertive and there's a time for that. I absolutely, but, um, there's a time for humility as well. Um, and, uh, it's not just important that we exhibit these sort of, you know, manly traits that our culture preaches, um, but that we look at how Jesus did it and, uh, you know, we make sure that that we are leading our families with really a, a humble heart, um, knowing that again, going back to it's not all about us. Um, you know, it's about what God has put me here for, the purpose of my life. Um, it goes much deeper than just making sure that there's food on the table for my family. That's right, uh, and I, I think that if we do, if we really try to, to follow Jesus in this, um, there's a lot of things that are considered toxic that might melt away. Now, there's other things that maybe just because of where culture is, you know, there, there's just kind of a, a general rejection of just being a good guy in some ways. You know, I don't need you to open the door for me or this or that. And I'm sorry, if I open the door for you. It, I don't mean to offend you. Um, I was just <laughs> raised by a, a Southern mama and um, that's what you did. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that has gone wrong in that area because men, even Christian men, uh, don't fully understand what that looks like. And sometimes that's just been a bad example they've been raised with. So we need to be in the Word. We need to encourage each other um, and train each other up in these ways. So any uh, any closing thoughts here? This uh, We're at a minute or an hour and eight minutes here. So we're probably down to just us listening at this point anyways. Yeah, yeah it is a discussion. Good. It is good. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Felt very manly. 
I'm sorry the whole time. I had to go see about a lizard, but <laughs> that was the, whole, the whole time I've been thinking of the quote, a wise man once said nothing. We started a podcast. <laughs> that probably tells you all you need to know right there. Put that on a t-shirt. That should be, we're going to have to have that on the t-shirt. So hey everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Remember, go get a Dude Facts t-shirt. And a special thanks to Rocket Shirts for putting those together for us. Remember, you can get your own deal with Rocket Shirts. Go to rocketshirts.net and tell them Dude Facts sent you.